I'm now talking to Dr. Susanne Wiegand. She's the head of the Pediatric Obesity Outpatient Department here in the Berlin Charité. Thanks for having me today. I mean, it sounds very simple. It's too much pizza, too much time at the computer, not enough exercise. I mean, it's all their own fault, isn't it? Most people think that uh, the lifestyle in general is a major cause for the development of overweight and obesity, especially in kids. But this is only uh, half of the reason. Um, lifestyle is 50% and the genetic predisposition is at least 50%. We know this for, mainly from twin studies um, and we were really surprised uh, over the last 10 years that the genetic predisposition plays such a big role. But why is the, the number increasing of obesity in children and adolescents? I mean, they're not changing their genes, are they? Yeah, lifestyle changes dramatically for all of us over the last 10 to 15 years. Just an example, food industry changes uh, and also, especially in kids, the media consumption increases uh, to a very high level and the result is less physical activity, uh, special for young kids and adolescents. What role does tradition play? I mean, in many traditions, um, obese child um, is um, considered to be very healthy. All grand grandparents love chubby babies all over the world, I, I would say. But um, our feeling about what is nice, what is beautiful, especially for uh, female adolescents, is totally different. Even more important uh, for our work is traditional food because food habits are changing um, only over one to three generations. Being overweight is not only a health issue, there are more issues with it. Yeah, it is a health issue because uh, a lot of, especially adolescents with uh, severe overweight have got already metabolic uh, complications. Uh, we call it metabolic syndrome. It's a complex of cardiovascular risk factors, including hypertension, um, hyperlipidemia, uh, impaired glucose tolerance, type 2 diabetes or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Uh, this is a medical part. It's also a very severe social issue. Just an example, it's much harder for obese adolescents to get into a tiny chip. So if Patients and families come into your outpatient clinic. How can you help them? Most important is really a good uh, screen, screening for all these issues. The medical part as well as the psychosocial part, uh, nutrition. And then um, we talk to the patients and families and try to find a very low-level stepwise procedure um, with some homework, for example. Do you think we, in general, need more education about this issue? Not in general, but especially in risk groups. Um, for example, if we visualize the sugar content of uh, soft drinks, most of the families are really surprised how much sugar is in it. And do you think that the government should play a bigger role in regulating things? Well, that would be very helpful because um, environmental prevention is the most effective treatment. And uh, food industry uh, sugar content in, uh, for example, soft drinks is one point, is one puzzle part of the whole system. And uh, 
our work would be much easier if the environmental components would be more healthy for all of us. I'm now talking to Jana Brauchmann. She's a nutritionist and a nutrition scientist here at the Berlin Charité. Hello. What are the biggest misconceptions concerning nutrition? Most families tend to underestimate the amount of sugar that's added to processed foods. For example, 150 grams of strawberry yogurt, no matter whether it's from a discount supermarket or an organic food store, already has more sugar than a six-year-old should eat in a whole day. A lot of families buy low-fat products, but these often have an even higher sugar content to improve the flavor. Or they buy expensive products from organic food stores that say no added sugar, but which are full of fructose and are real sugar bombs. But how is a family supposed to change its dietary habits? Potato chips are a much tastier snack than chewing on broccoli. That's true. So the goal isn't to make children always eat vegetables or only snack on broccoli, but to teach them to make better decisions. For example, when they eat pizza from the deep freeze, they don't have to eat a whole pizza. They could eat just half and then add a salad. I have two daughters, 10 and 14, and I know that growing children are always hungry. How can I fill them up? It's actually relatively easy with a balanced diet. To compare, a bar of chocolate has as many calories as a small carton of plain yogurt, a large apple, a large bell pepper, and two slices of whole grain bread with cream cheese. So you should aim for more volume that gives you the same energy and makes you fuller than something that's very energy rich. So you replace energy-rich with nutrient-rich. That's right. Isn't the problem that you miss out on the pleasure of food? That's part of eating too. Most of the children and parents that we see actually report that the children don't really enjoy their food that much anyway, and they eat too fast. So they need to relearn the pleasure of eating. So changing the way they eat is really a behavioral change. It's not like they'll never be able to eat a burger or chocolate again, right? Quite the opposite. It's about integrating chocolate and burgers into their normal diet in a way that's sensible. Thank you so much. I'm now talking to Dr. Petra Rücker. She's a social education worker here in the team. What's your job? My job in the team is to gauge the family's social situation. I look at all the family members, especially the mothers, who play a big part in feeding a child. I check whether they're all doing well. I think if a mother doesn't take good care of herself, at some point she won't be able to take good care of her children. Is it really the case that an unstable family can be a cause of obesity? Oh, yes. And that's why our team not only has nutritional therapists, pediatricians and pediatric nurses, but also child and adolescent psychotherapists and me as a social worker. So social problems can be a trigger for being overweight, and excess weight then brings its own set of problems. Exactly. I can tell you about one family as an example. 
It's a family of six living in very, very cramped quarters with just two rooms. The 14-year-old patient who came to our clinic had to sleep on the sofa and only got some rest when everyone else had gone to bed after midnight. In a case like that, it's not enough for our nutritional therapist to give advice about meal frequencies. Here we really need to see how we can resolve the situation and connect with the family. So child obesity is not just linked to food. Just eating more broccoli won't help. The problem lies much deeper. Exactly. So we have to put all the family puzzle pieces together and see what needs to be done first. I'm the one in the team responsible for child protection. So, for example, if a child is experiencing physical abuse, there's no point discussing bread rolls or yogurt or sugary drinks. I first have to see how to end the situation. Then, at some point later down the line, the child can start thinking about weight management. But being overweight alone can lead to the kind of vicious cycle we saw. You're overweight, then you experience bullying in school, for example. That causes you to eat more. How can we break that cycle? First of all, we have to make the children strong. These children often have very low self-esteem, very, very low self-esteem. So we're back to asking who needs what? Does the child need therapy to strengthen him or her? Can I contribute to the father's or mother's parenting skills? Does the family need support from child welfare, for example? And I have to keep focused on how I can make the situation better for the child. Thanks so much for this talk.